Our mission statement here at Oakton is to go save, disciple, and send. And they have went, and they have come back with a testimony. Okay, so let's pray real quick. Father God, I thank you for this team. I thank you for the anointing that's upon them. Lord, I ask that you speak through them today. Let us hear exactly what you have prepared for us to hear. And I thank you for their service to you. And I ask for a special blessing upon their lives because of that. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Okay, Miss Maranatha. I guess they let me go first because I'm the lady. (laughs) This was my first trip with all men and myself, and I enjoyed it. They're a wonderful group of gentlemen. Um, Those of you who um, prayed for this trip to Brazil, you are as much a part of it as those who set foot on Brazilian soil. Um, In the spirit, when you are praying, you are there. So those of you who prayed, um, the, the fruit that you hear about this morning, you are very, just as much a part. So I just wanted to say thank you for praying, thank you for your concern, and thank you for your ears this morning. I'm up here to frame what we're going to talk about. Um, I just want to tell you where we went who we ministered to and what we did, and then I'll let the rest of them, and then I'll take my turn too to tell just some little stories out of the middle of it. There's no way that we can cover everything that happened, um, but we love to talk about it. So if you want to grab any of us anytime, (laughs) we would love to talk about it. So first slide, please. Uh, where in the world is Brazil? I thought I would throw up this map here so that you can see that uh, where home is. We went, we flew to Fayetteville and then to Dallas, and then all the way down to Sao Paulo, Brazil, before we went up to Fortaleza. It was about a one and a half day trip to get there. Um, so next slide, please. Uh, So from Sao Paulo, we went up to Fortaleza. The place that we ministered in is called Padasho. That X is a sh. Padasho. Okay. Um, We actually, we stayed uh, in a Sioux, which is right near Padasho, in a hotel where there was air conditioning. Air conditioning doesn't sound valuable to you this morning, but to us it was. When we went to about, from about zero here to about 95 degrees Fahrenheit there, air conditioning was important to let our bodies relax and recoup so that we could actually minister the next day. So that was pretty important. Next slide, please. These are the primary people that we ministered to with. Uh, these are all Brazilian, except for, for Josue. Everybody else there is Brazilian. Uh, Bettina, Josue, and Luma on, the, on your left, um, they are interpreters that Matthew was able to hire to bring with us, and they were incredible, incredible. Uh, Bettina is a professional translator and, and children's minister, so she, she's incredible. And, and their baby, Luma, she went with us everywhere <laughs> that we went. Um, she was five months old, is that correct? And uh, she's been to multiple countries already in her life. So I don't know if she has a passport, but they better be stamping it because she's going to have quite a list of countries that she's been to. Um, So they're incredible. Pastor Fernando and Alini. Alini is how you pronounce that. I was surprised to hear. But Fernando and Alini are the most genuine that you get. (laughs) Um, they're, They're very young, 30, early 30s late 20s, 
uh, very young, but very passionate and uh, laying their lives down. They actually work in another city and come to Padisho on the weekends because their heart's desire is to see God move in that little community. And in Padisho is where we spent most of our time. Um, Marcio and Melissa. Melissa is Fernando's sister. Okay, so if you can see there in the middle slide, Fernando and Melissa to the right are brother and sister. Uh, the, the church that we ministered in, in Padisho, and, and you'll see pictures of the building. Um, all of those in Padisho are, are uh, right now the church is meeting in their mom's garage. Okay, so just just to give you a little heads up about what you'll seeing be seeing in a little bit, Marcio and Melissa. Melissa is a pre med. She's in medical school right now, um, and so she and and an inter, an interpreter as well. Excuse me, an interpreter as well. So she was incredible in helping us to communicate, which you don't think about it in the US, how easy it is to just communicate with everybody that you see. But when you go to a place and you just hear blah, 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 and you don't understand anything that's being said, these people become very valuable. <laughs> okay, so um, we had several interpreters that, that were really good and some that weren't as, as, as accomplished. Next slide, please. This is the entire team, both American and Brazilian. The people that I hadn't shown individually are people that are in the church that, that are just as passionate for Jesus and spreading the gospel. So that's the entire uh, group. There, there were some others as well that we ministered along with, but that's, those are the faces. We feel honored to be able to introduce to Oakton a location. Um, Oakton is familiar with other countries and we've sent other groups, but we, we are honored to, to be the ones to, to introduce you to Brazil and, and what God's doing there. Um, so I will let the others go ahead and share. Bom dia. And that's the only Portuguese word that I know. Uh, that's, that's good morning, but bom dia. Uh, one thing that I learned whenever I was down there very quickly, uh, everybody would say to me, Austin, slow down. Interpreters need time to think. And uh, I was told that many times. But uh, I think I could be an auctioneer, but I'm not ruling that out yet. <clears throat> but uh, one thing before this Brazil trip, uh, I was told, you know, you need to listen to God. If, uh, if He puts something on your heart, on your mind, you know, you need to listen. Uh, if he speaks or puts something out there, you, you really need to stop and think about it. Uh, and I know there's a lot of distractions to keep you from doing it, but you got to do it. Um, and one of the biggest things, uh, you got to have power and trust in him. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm Austin Potus. I, I can handle it. I, I'm good. But, no, you need him. Uh, but I needed trust in him with uh, my work, leaving work behind. That, uh, that was a big one. Uh, my family... Uh, my animals, projects, home, bills, bills again. Uh, but what did I get by listening to him? I'm already emotional. Uh, my new perspective. Uh, Marcio, uh, or not Marcio, Fernando and Melissa up there. Uh, I think we got the next slide maybe. 
Okay, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, but Fernando and Melissa, they were able to drop their business. They, uh, they've got a family business with their dad. They build uh, uh, apartment complexes, eight, eight complexes, and they're getting into building new houses, like really nice houses for down there. And uh, while we were down there, they actually had problems at their work. And, uh, you know, they needed, to, they needed to stop what we were doing and go and take care of that. And uh, me, I would have, okay, I got I to gotta go take care of my work. I would have stopped. And uh, they didn't. They put God first and they kept after their mission that they were on to take care of us while we were down there and to, to go, to just focus on God that week. And I thought, man, that is nuts. There's no way Austin would do that. And uh, so I thought that was crazy. Uh, you know, uh, they would drop anything for us, for God, all that. And I, I, all the time I kept thinking, do I do that? And uh, I answered, no, I don't. Uh, do we do that? Would we if we don't already? And uh, what do I do to help others or serve our God? Should I help someone by welding on something? You know, that's just one thing. And, or, you know, I've got an excavator. Do I help somebody with that? But what's that really do for God? You know, I mean, that's just work. Um, and, you know, I thought, you know, well, with that equipment, what if I'd help a competitor of mine? And uh, the kid that works for me, uh, I told him that yesterday. I said, should I help a competitor of mine? And he's like, what? You ain't going to help your competitor? There's no way. You know, another fence guy, you're not going to help him build fence. And it's like, you know, but what if I did? And I could minister through that to him. And he's like, man, that's right. And that's, that's what we need to do. And it's like, that is what we need to do. But uh, so Brazil, for our God, uh, did we all work together down there, that whole group? Did we all work together for God uh, to benefit our God? Yes. Yes, we did. Uh, should we do this in everyday life and not just for God, but for others? Uh, I knew this was going to be a good word. I wrote that on Case IH paper, so just stir up the church a little bit. Uh, so some of the problem I found in Brazil whenever we were down there, you know, people knew God. They, they knew about Him. They knew what Bibles were and so on and so forth. Uh, and they believed in it, but the church we went or the people, they, they knew God, but the church we went to or the people we were around, say they, they all knew church, but the people that they were around and, you know, the people at the church and maybe the church, they... Uh, they would do one thing, but then on Sunday, that, that's what they would do. They would, they would do the right thing, but then come Monday, the real world, you know, they'd go back to doing what they were doing. And, uh, you know, I, I got to thinking about that, uh, the real world. Do, do we do that, you know, just not on Sunday? Do we go back to the real world Monday through Saturday? Or do we do that six days and 22 hours? I mean, we, I, I, I've checked myself on that here lately. But uh, these, some of these people down there quit going to church because the people they were around at church, outside of church, weren't doing what I mean they thought about and preached about on Sunday. And uh, that drove people away from it. And uh, it makes me think uh, there's, there was Marcio, or not Marcio, uh, Joe's way. Can you go to the next slide, please? All right, can you back up? Okay, bingo. Joe's way up there, circled. 
he, uh, he was the custodian at the school. Pretty quiet guy. You know, we showed up and everything, and we got to do our uh, projects there at the school, play with the kids and everything. And he was a quiet guy. And uh, we got to know that he had been going to church and knew, knew God, but quit because of what exactly what I was talking about. You know, we live one thing at church on Sunday for two hours, but then the rest of the week we don't. And he noticed that, and he's like, man, this, this ain't right, so why am I even going? So he kind of dropped it all together. But uh, it makes me think of here at Oakton and other churches here. Do people act on Sundays, then real world the other six days and 22 hours? Um, and that throughout has crossed my mind, because uh, should I go to a church elsewhere, farther away, or quit going somewhere where I know everybody, and I know that that other real world time, they act out of it. You know, it kind of brings you down. It brings a person down. And when somebody tells you, you don't need something, or or why would why would you be doing that now? Uh it's like, you know, what, what's the difference? But you're bringing somebody down and, you know, is that what you should be doing or should you be lifting somebody up and trying that way? Uh, but Fernando and uh, Aline, their heart, man, is so good. Uh, and whenever he got to speaking and stuff, you know, he's only got like, uh, okay, you can go to the next slide. Yeah, so that's the garage that they're in. It's just a little lean-to. Um, there's maybe, I don't think there was 12 chairs in there. It was pretty small. And, uh, but he's got a group of kids that come there, and uh, that's all he's got. He's got a couple adults, but that was it. And uh, he's growing out of it. But while we were down there, and we got to go house to house, which I'd never done that before, and uh, when we get down there, there was, uh, there was four of us in that group. And we all split up, and it's like, wait, 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 wait. I need to go with one of them, because I've never done this before. I have no idea what we're getting ready to do. And uh, so we split up, and the gals that I was with interpreting, uh, she's like, so how would you do this? And I'm like, "Uh, well, I've actually never done this before. And she kind of laughed, and she's like, well, just go in and make conversation with them. And uh, so, yeah, we talked about the weather a little bit. And the first couple, though, I went straight in. It's like, you know Jesus. It was pretty quiet, and uh, I mean, they, they, they did talk a little bit, but uh, next house, she uh, clued me in a little bit more, and it got better, but uh, we talked about the weather, then Jesus, and then we talked about the family, the weather, and then Jesus, and it kept getting better, but you know, as we got to know those people down there, and they knew that we cared about God, the same God for all of us, but you know, they didn't know him that well, I don't know that the uh, the next slide... I don't know if we had the outdoor service. I don't, I don't think I did. Um, but uh, we ended up having to put the chairs outside and put probably twice as many out because there was people coming. But uh, Joe's way, he wanted to come to church. And I checked yesterday, and uh, he had still been coming to church. And uh, anytime they do something, they, they've been coming together. And this morning I woke up, and I'm sure everybody probably seen it, but they uh, they had a get together for like four days, I think it was, and they had pictures of, there was normally four kids, but I bet there was eight kids there. They had got their friends and everybody, and it was, it was awesome. But Fernando and Aline have got such great hearts, and they're preaching the right word, and uh, they're running out of room. They've, they've got no room, and it was crazy. Matthew, before we went down there, sent an email of a video of them working on the church, 
which was the slide maybe before this, after this, with the guys right there. So that was like 10 days before we went down there. And then we get there and go to the next slide. And this is what they've got going on. And it's like, man, that's just a couple days. And I mean, they do construction, but Marcio and uh, Fernando, they're not down there working on that all the time. That's, that's a group of guys. And Matthew, he's got concrete hands now. I mean, he's, he's good. But the first door over here, they've got two bathrooms and kind of a storage room. And then upstairs, there's two windows and two doors. That's going to be their sanctuary for now. Uh, whenever that's completed, that's going to be their sanctuary. Now, eventually they want to divide that in half and put the sanctuary out front of here. Uh, but when that time comes, they'll have two rooms up there to do Bible studies, kids' groups, prayer, different prayer rooms. And then below, there's going to be a bedroom for... Uh, Fernando, whenever he comes, he lives like an hour away. And he comes there and he spends all weekend there, going house to house, every weekend. He goes house to house with different people and just talks and is like, hey, come to church, come to church, and trying to get people. And it's slowly working some, but like when we were down there, just the growth that happened in that church, it was awesome. It was awesome. Fernando and Aline are great people, but they're working on building a church and... Uh, Fernando inspired me, like, while we were down there, they were able to drop work. And it's like, man, there's no way Austin could do that. And uh, yesterday, whenever I was talking with my hired guy, it's like, a couple times, it's like, no, Austin wouldn't do that. And it's like, yeah, that's right, but old Austin wouldn't. But I want to change. I need to change. Uh, what can I do for God? And uh, right now, I'm, I'm wanting to, well, the church... They're, uh, they got the concrete and the block work done. They're working on the electrical and everything else, but they, they only go by like week by week because they don't have much money coming in. They've only got, I don't know, 12 people at the church. And, uh, you know, they, they're not wealthy uh, at all. But uh, I'm wanting to raise some money to send down there. If anybody wants to give anything towards it for the church, uh, I think it would be great. Uh, Brazil's taught me a lot. Uh, I think we need to watch watch what we do every day, not just on Sundays. I better call it quits today. <laughs> All right. Um, so as you can already see, this Brazil trip was amazing. It was life-changing, and um, everything that we did everything everywhere that we went was planned by God and was God blessed. Um, so this trip was introduced to me in September um, by Gary Dumb over here. Um, and I didn't know if I wanted to go. Um, it was kind of another continent away. Um, <laughs> um, and I was I was busy with school and sports and etc. Um, but in late November of last year, um, I, was, um, I was in youth group, and we had our altar time, and I was just like, God, do you want me to go on this trip? And he um, revealed to me that I should, so um, I went. Um, I'm, I'm so glad I went. Um, while, we were, while I was there, I learned um, that if you do God's business, he will take care of yours. That was 
repeated many, many times. Um, so the best part, um, next slide. Yeah, so the next part was um, kids ministry in the town of Pottershow. We went to a local school. They let us use their building to teach kids about Jesus. Um, this is a picture of Duck Duck Goose. Um, <laughs> the word for duck is bato. I do not know the word for goose. It's some long, longer, complicated word. Um, <laughs> okay, next slide. All right. So also, um, there, most of the families down there, there is no father in the home. Um, most of the kids are fatherless down there, and there are a lot of broken families and communities. Um, and I'd say the best part um, of my personal experience was just to show Jesus' love to those kids, um, put a smile on their face. Um, even a simple smile from you can make their day. Um, after that, we taught the kids um, about Jesus. Most of the people down there are Catholic. Um, they go to Mass once or twice a year, and that's good. Um, but um, some of them had heard about Jesus as Mary's son, but um, um, but we introduced Jesus as a personal Savior and one you can call on when you're in trouble and one that... Um, loves you. Um, so on on Wednesday while we were down there, it was probably the 23rd of January, um, we, we gave the opportunity to um, give their, the, the kids to give their lives to Jesus, and some of them did, some of the, them didn't. It was amazing to see the hope that filled their eyes. Um, the you could down there you could see the the renewed life calling um, of some of the people um, and it was just an amazing trip um, so if you have any questions later I'd be happy to um, answer those So we did some children's ministries in the morning, four different days, and in the afternoons we did medical clinic, medical evaluation type thing, since um, I'm a nurse and, and we had a, a medical student with us. Uh, so that those are two things we did besides the door-to-door -door that Austin mentioned. Um, so... Um, but we can't talk about all of those. Um, Gary, Gary was telling us before we got up here that it would be good to tell people in our church, why did you go? Why did you do this crazy thing? <laughs> um, first, when, when he brought up the idea to me, um, I was thinking of all the reasons why I should not go. <laughs> do, do you do that? Um, if, if God tells you to do something or if you get an invitation or an opportunity, do you always think of, oh, I shouldn't do that because of this or that or the other, right? Um, I should not go to Brazil because I'm a single mom. I homeschool three children. How am I supposed to do that, right? Um, I should not be, go because when I'm gone, well, there's no paycheck when I get back. <laughs> you know, I, if I don't show up to work, they're not going to pay me for that time. 
um, um, I have to farm out my kids, I have to farm out uh, my work, how am I going to make that happen? So I could think of lots of ways or reasons not to go, um, but the reasons that just kept uh, on me and the reason that I submitted to going was the fact that, well, uh, first of all, I like to explore. I like to go new places and, and do new things. Um, I'm the person that when I check into a hotel, I'm the one who goes and finds the pool. I go and find the exits. I go find where they serve breakfast because I want to know where I'm at. I like to explore. But the um, another reason that I wanted to go for sure was that... Um, children's ministry as well as the medical outreach are two things that that I'm called to personally um, so because the 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 trip was set up with those things in mind um, I knew that God could really use me because he's developed me in those areas um, but my favorite part of the trip was the children's ministry was wonderful, and I got revelation and, and learned some things as I was speaking myself, like those of you who minister know how that works. Um, but my favorite part was the door-to-door part of the ministry. Um, and Austin said it's his first time. It's not my first time, um, but I do not feel accomplished in that area either. <laughs> um, when we went door to door, we did not knock on the doors. Uh, our interpreters, the people, the Brazilians knew that you don't knock on the door, you clap at the door. <laughs> okay? So you get to the door, clap, 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 and then they come. So I just thought that that was an interesting, uh, different uh, cultural difference that I hadn't realized that we would come into contact with. Um, so... Um, but I'll talk about that in just a second. The, the other reason that I went, a couple more reasons really, is that God's word says to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Um, we're to go to our neighbor's house. We're to go to our friends' homes and, and, and speak about what God is doing in our lives. But really, God's actual call to us, he's not kidding. He's not playing around. He said, go into all the world. Uh, so that's another reason I went, because I take that personally. Do you think, you know, we all should take the things in God's word personally. He says, go into all the world. Oh, better go into all the world, right? And preach the gospel. Um, and finally, I wanted to go because I don't want to just be a person who tells my kids, you guys got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, and then not do it myself, I want to be an example. So if I want my kids to go into all the world, well, I better be going into all the world. If I want them to go door to door, well, I better be going door to door, right? If I know it's right in my heart, then I'm the first one to do it. And I also wanted to see, um, I wanted to see Andrew grow. Um, I, I loved the experience of my son and me. Um, you, you, kid, childhood is so fast, you know, especially this one, like his, his height has grown really fast and everybody thinks he's a man. Um, and, uh, he's 16, so he's on the brink. 
he's on the brink of manhood. But it, it was just really important for me to have, to strengthen that bond with my son um, and to experience those new experiences together. So that was, that was another reason that I really, um, and, and the biggest reason was I wanted to see God move. When we're here in the United States, um, we, get, we get used to our, our little routine we get used to going where we go, talking to who we talk to, smiling, you know, communicating with the people that we go to usually. But I think when you go outside of your your usual daily routine, uh, like we send our kids to camp, right? We send our kids to camp. We say, you can't use your cell phone because we want all the distractions gone. Well, when do we adults do that? Um, it's, it's really a good opportunity to get away from the usual and find uh, what God's saying to us and then allowing him to use us. There is no high. There is, now, I've never done drugs. I've never, um, I've never drunk alcohol. But I'm telling you that there's no high as high as letting God flow through you. God's life and love and his words coming out of your mouth, ministering to you and the person because you hadn't thought of that before. (laughs) There's no high as high as that, as wonderful as that, because that's what we were made for. So when you're accomplishing the, the purpose that God created you for, that's why you were here. So yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. Let me just read this quote I came across, and then I'll move on uh, to the slide after that. Here's a quote uh, that, that just makes that point even more. I thought I should read it because the Lord brought it across my path yesterday before, and it made me think of today. So it starts with uh, first, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Brennan Manning said about this verse, freedom in Christ produces a healthy independence from peer pressure, from people pleasing, and the bondage of human respect. The tyranny of public opinion can manipulate our lives. Have you ever thought of that? The tyranny of public opinion can manipulate our lives, Brennan Manning says. What will the neighbors think? What will my friends think? The expectations of others can exert a subtle but controlling pressure on our behavior. As the chameleon changes colors with the season, so the Christian wants to be well thought of by everyone. So when you travel outside the country, outside of your usual routine, you're outside of that. You can be free. There's a a freedom in getting outside of your usual routine to share the gospel. Okay, so that's why I went. Now I'm going to talk about one more thing, and I'm, I'm more wordy than I thought I would be. Uh, can we go to the next slide, please? Oh, Andrew, did you want to say any more? <laughs> okay, <laughs> next slide, please. All right, here's a couple of shots that we got going door to door, clapping at the door. Um, And I don't have a lot to say about either one of these other than uh, the woman on the right with her son. Um, She's a single mom with three children, which um, getting there and not having our luggage, we had to wait till Tuesday night to actually get our toothbrushes and our other clothing. (laughs) 
Um, and so I felt really more uncomfortable than usual. Um, but when I walked into this woman's home and realized, wait, I'm a single mom with three kids. Oh, she's a single mom with three kids. Maybe God sent me here for more for more than just, it's not about me, it's about her. She ended up crying, and we got to pray. Um, it was a beautiful time. Bettina, our interpreter, um, did, did a wonderful job of listening to the Holy Spirit and speaking what was on her heart, too. Uh, so there were many beautiful times. Go ahead to the next one. Um, here's another single mom with four kids. Um, Alini got, was my interpreter at this one. She had been through a traumatic experience. Um, one of her children had also left after her husband had left. Uh, she had found comfort in her plants. Her um, counselor had told her that if she just puts her energy into plants, then she'll feel better about herself. Um, but we got to the nitty-gritty. We talked about her relationship with God and how to draw near to God and that fulfillment, yes, does sometimes come from the outside, but we were made for relationship with God, and that's where life and love come from. Next slide. Um, and so the, I can't say too much about this slide, but um, one evening, Andrew was able to speak at the little church that, that uh it was outside that evening. There were kids on bicycles zooming past behind us. When we first arrived at the church site, there was a, uh, a couple of cowboys on horses herding cows around just, just a few feet from the church uh, in town. Um, so, and, and you, would find, you would see a dog straggle by or whatever. The, the neighbor lady would be yelling at her kids. And all of these, th we think we have distractions in our church. <laughs> Uh, there, there are distractions at their church, but uh, one evening, my son Andrew was able to get up behind their microphone and just tell about an experience he had had with God and how God had spoke to him and he had adjusted his heart, done some repenting, and uh, just drew near to God. Um, and God had been working in several of these young men's lives, and I think you'll hear more of that later. Um, but as, as God was moving uh, throughout the week, then when Andrew got up to speak, um, I think there's something about a young man speaking who, that tugs on the hearts of the young people. Um, so young people, if you ever, when you get the opportunity to share about your experience with Jesus, it makes a profound impact, not only on the adults, but on the, on the younger people too. Um, there were three young men here who gave their hearts to the, hearts to the Lord that very night. It wasn't because of Andrew, but Andrew was obedient, and the Holy Spirit had already been working on them. And so that was really a night of rejoicing and excitement. And you'll hear more about one, one of the other stories. Um, I want to tell one more tiny story. <laughs> okay. Um, this was another, and I don't have a picture for this one, um, but we were going door to door and there was a, if I can paint the picture, we walked up to the porch um, everybody was sitting outside. There were three men over sitting to the side. They were having some alcohol. 
Uh, they offered us some. We said, well, actually, that's not what we came to do. <laughs> uh, there were some women sitting over here to, on, a, on the porch, too. And we just kind of introduced ourselves. We said we're from America. We left our families and things to come tell them about Jesus. And we just wondered, you know, do you go to church anywhere? Do you have a relationship? Do you know who Jesus is besides Mary's son? You know, and we were, we were starting to talk about that. And my interpreter um, sort of interrupted um, which she can do since she's interpreting. Um, and the, in the middle of that, there was also a, a young woman who came out from the house onto the porch. She was dressed in a black dress, pretty risque. Um, and uh, the interpreter kind of stopped a second. And she goes, hold on. Um, the Lord is telling me that somebody here has pain in their knee. And the young lady who had just come out of the house says, my knee's been hurting all morning. And so our interpreter later told us that she said, can we pray for you? We, we believe that God heals. And so um, then she told us, and we gathered around, we laid hands on, on this young woman. Um, and so uh, she prayed in Portuguese, so I'm not exactly sure what she was praying, but I was praying in English and in tongues, and we were praying over this young woman. We opened our eyes, and she's got tears streaming down her face. And the people on the men to the side are like, what's going on? And come to find out, she says, yeah, my knee's better, but what God is really telling me is that I need to go back to church again because I haven't been to church in a long time. And I'm thinking, let's see, your knee is better, so you have to go to church. Like, those don't go together in my logic. But to, that told me that the Holy Spirit had been working, had, had spoken to our interpreter, Bettina, because he loved that young woman so very much, right? That he spoke to her uh, through the healing of her knee. And we did see her at the future, at the, at the other services that we went to later that week. She did show up. Um, and, and we just worshiped the Lord, and there was a wonderful presence of God. And so there are lots of lives that were touched during the time that we were there. Who should I let go next? Matthew's turn. Okay. Okay, it's really good to be here. I see so many familiar faces. My heart's full. I've got a lot to say. I'm especially excited to see Keith Clausen over there. How you doing, Keith? Good to see you, buddy. Um, so uh, I'll try to get this cut down to like 30 to 45 minutes. Is that all right? Okay. Um, so I guess the first thing is God really used this team in Show. It's, it's really amazing. We have no idea what we do down there and what is really going on because we can't see into people's hearts. We don't know, you know, what decisions are really made, how, you know, what long-term decisions. But based on what we can kind of see on the outside, there had to be a ton of stuff that happened. So that's what's really exciting. Um, I want to tell a little bit about this guy right here on the right. His name's Gentleson. Um, so, so before I get into that, first off, I was like um, Austin said, I was down there. Like the third day I was down there, I found out that Pastor Fernando was pouring some concrete at this church in Potash. I said, hey, I'll go help. That was hard work. One bucket at a time, 95 degrees, that was hard work. 
And the whole time I was, you know, sharing with the, the workers and getting to know their names and building, trying to build relationships and, and, um, you know, shared the gospel with them at the end and, and expected someone to come to church and told them I'd be there talking more about it. So come back, um, before church, the, um, the next that that Sunday, we church starts at six o'clock in the evening. They do church in the evening instead of the morning. It's just a cultural thing in this part of Brazil. Um, we did a home visit uh, myself and Abigail, my daughter, was down there, and Pastor Fernando, his wife, and and a small group of us. And we went to this families and and visited with them for probably an hour. And I could tell as we were sharing and and ministering to them, the wheels were turning and they were understanding and they were. You know, we talk a lot about our depravity and just how, you know, God doesn't allow sin into heaven. And this is a serious decision. And all. So uh, about 15 minutes before church, we said, hey, we got to go to church. Church is right up. You know where church is. Just come to church. We'll talk more about it. OK, OK. Yeah, we'll we'll be there. Got to church. No, none of them showed up. I mean, this guy that we had just talked to, his family didn't show up. None of the concrete guys had showed up. And afterwards, I said, Fernando, Pastor Fernando, I'm, I'm really surprised because I expected, you know, at least some of them to show up, a couple of them, just if, I mean, not to come to hear Jesus, hear about Jesus or the gospel or anything, but just to, if for no other reason, just curiosity, what's the American going to say? But none of them, none of them came. And he said, Matthew, I'm going to tell you, that has been our story for the last two years. This is, for whatever reason, this is a really a hard work here in Potashow. Um, and they they allow us in their homes they they we come in and we open the bible we have bible studies we we tell them about everything that we can tell them in the bible and we have a good rapport and we know all you know these people know us they see them on us on the street and they say hey pastor fernando how you guys doing and good conversation he's not an awkward guy he's a great guy he said the last two years that's been our story i don't know why i and he said i don't know why i i think maybe it's because they've kind of been to church before and they've been hurt before and they just are not willing to go back to church. So that kind of stuck with me. It's kind of some stuff that Austin kind of hit on. So we've got to be careful ourselves. But but I want to say that at the end of the week, which three weeks later than this team came down, um, there were probably six to eight new adults at church that night and six to eight new youth at church that night. And Fernando said, this is the most we've ever had at church in the last two years we've been working here. So I know without a doubt that God used this team tremendously down there. And, and we'll find out, you know, in, in some time in the future, maybe we won't. But what God's up to, God is up to whatever God wants to be up to. So we're just doing the job of, like was said earlier, the, the um, uh, sharing the gospel, throwing the seed, throwing, casting a net and letting God do the results because it's the Holy Spirit that's going to draw people and is going to come in and do a miracle in their heart and change them completely. We have nothing to do with that. We just have one responsibility and that's the, the Great Commission, just to go, just like this team went, share the gospel, leave the results up to God. So now back to Jenelson. So, um, so the last couple years that Pastor Fernando's been there, uh, there's one family in particular. They are on a on the picture earlier. Uh, Karini, um, um, Ubertone, and then their daughter. A really difficult name to say. I'm not even going to say her name. I can't think of her name. Huh? Ah, I know. Now I'm going to be in trouble. Don't tell her that. <laughs> but um, but the Karini accepted Christ first. Started coming to church, and her husband was 
really a nice guy. He's a fisherman there, but just didn't want anything to do with God. And and then the daughter accepted Christ and was, Dad, you've got to come to church. You've got to, you know, you got to get right with God. And no, no, no. Finally, he did. So so in the last two years, that one family, if for nothing else, that one family has been hugely impacted. And they're a, a big part of this church. Now, Jenelson, that's the story I want to get to, is... Um, um, at 12 years old, he was living with his dad. I don't know where, if it's a long ways away or if it's close to uh, somewhere close to Potashow. Living with his dad. His dad was not a good guy. He was what you call a really bad guy. Uh, in trouble. He was in jail. He was stealing cars. He was doing all kinds of bad things. He ends up getting murdered when this little boy's 12 years old. And at that point, this boy could have just fallen off the deep end. But um, he went to Potashow to live with his mom. And at that time, uh, Pastor Fernando uh, was there and started a relationship with him and ministering to this boy. And, and this boy has a difficult time. He comes to live with his mom. His mom has five children from five different men. So you can imagine what kind of a situation he comes from. So Pastor Fernando comes alongside this boy and, and works with him and disciples him and opens the Bible and, and, is, and is bringing this boy along. This boy wants to be a pastor now, is totally turned on. The things that he's saying, you're like, that boy's different. He, is, he has got some wisdom from, that only God can give through the Bible. So, and, I, and Pastor Fernando was telling me, he said, for the past two years, this is, this is the story of, you know, of the people not coming to church. And I said, well, you know what, if if the only thing you've accomplished in the last two years was this family that received Christ and, and uh, Jenelson here, then, then life's good. I mean, you've done what you're supposed to do. But like I said, there was a ton of people at church that Sunday night whenever we were finished that week, and I, I know that God's working in this community. So um, a couple more stories. So a little bit of, let me back up and a little bit bigger picture. Uh, Chrissy and I are down there in Brazil, and in a Sioux was is the main city, maybe 60,000 people. Um, and Potashow is about 20 minutes uh, to the east of a Sioux. So um, we're kind of working with a the main church that's in a Sioux. Uh, pastor Manuel is the pastor there. He has a seminary that I think he started four years ago um, and has about 15 students a year that kind of graduate out of that. It's really in-depth, intense discipleship. And these and the students then go on to start churches. So the church in a Sioux is is their main focus is starting churches, just like the church in Potashow, just like some other churches that um, myself and a guy from my church ministered to uh, Linda Flora, about 20 minutes the other direction of a Sioux. So in the future, when we, I'm assuming when we go, I'll be back, but when this, if the church decides to send a team again, we will be in another community, just like Potashow, doing exactly the same thing, working with uh, startups, churches that maybe have five or ten members that, that just need help, boots on the ground, doing evangelism, doing whatever the team wants to do, vacation Bible school, medical missions, home visits, you know, soccer camps, it, you name it, it's all, it's all a possibility. Um, and just, just doing the Great Commission, and just like the Scripture says, that Jesus said, 
Look unto the fields, they're white, they're ripe, they're ready for harvest. Pray that the Lord will send harvesters into his harvest fields. And that's that's what we're doing. And a lot of times you go on mission trips and maybe it's just hard ground and you're just sowing seed and it's just hard work. And then other times you go and you actually do some harvesting. That's what I think is going. I know that's what went on in Potter's show. We don't know everything, but um, that's what's going on down there. So in the future, we'll be ministering in a, in a different community. Different communities doing exactly the same thing. Pastor Fernando also has a men's home that's north of a Sioux, about 20 minutes, for um, uh, men that have had trouble with addictions, drugs, alcohol. They've been in jail. They're stealing. They're just whatever. And if they don't get straightened up, they're going to end up being dead somewhere. They just are. So they check themselves into this home. And then it's, a, I think, a 14, 16-month in-depth, intense discipleship program to try to get them straightened out uh, and it's it's it works it's again it's a it's a difficult ministry also so so there's a lot of stuff going down there going on down there that we can be involved in um, a couple of stories if I can remember everything so when when I when we get down there I get down there myself I'm talking to these Brazilians and they're, you know, what are you doing in Brazil? Why, why do you come down here? I'm like, I'm glad you asked. So I've been to Brazil probably 30 times and I bring a message down and I, and this is, this is the reason that I go down there. And I want to tell you that, that everybody in the world has a similar problem and it's the same problem. We all are, have done wrong things. We are all sinful all around the world. Everybody has done something wrong. And that's a problem because God does not allow sin into heaven. And that's a problem for everybody. But the good news is, is, that Jesus, is that God made a way through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was God's son. He came to the, to the world. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose again. And because of that, Jesus Christ is God's perfect sacrifice and the only way that we can make it to heaven. But it's not enough just to know that because a lot of people know that. Satan even knows that. The demons know that and they shudder is what the Bible says. But you've got to... Accept Jesus into your heart. And the, the difficult thing is you really can't do that by yourself because the Holy Spirit has to work and it gets a little more complicated than that. But I'm praying for you that the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, softening your heart, helping you to understand so that you can believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son and, and that you can have this relationship. So, you know, I generally both, you know, unload both barrels and 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 then kind of go from there. Um, so that's in the, in the gist, that's kind of what we're, when we do on the, go on these home visits, that, that's what we're, that's the message that we're bringing. So a couple of story, another story, uh, this happened the week after the team had left. Uh, a friend of mine, Will, from my church came down and we were just doing home visits. There's just the two of us, so that's all we did. We didn't do any of this other extra stuff. We did home visits. And, um, one story in particular, the guy's name is Flavio, that I'm going to talk about. We were, the, these home visits were set up to where we could, we, we didn't know where we were going. We didn't, you know, but they were set up. We were supposed to go visit with a, a guy that owns a bar. And this isn't a bar like you'd think of here in America or something. It's just basically the guy's got a house probably full of alcohol in his back He's got an overhang, big overhang, a pool table, and everybody just gathers there and drinks and has a good time. And so this uh, bar owner's wife was um, 
member of the church, was a believer, and um, but her husband kind of goes to church a little bit, but not much, and he was not a believer. So we went to visit with him. So we start visiting with him. I'm out in this area where the pool table is. I look up in the house, and there's two or three people kind of milling around, and they kind of work their way out. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a little bit patient here because I want them to come out and hear what we had to say. So Flavio was one of the guys up in the house that works out with a couple other people. And so we start, I start sharing the gospel and um, I can tell that Flavio is really paying attention. So Flavio is probably, I'm guessing, about 30 years old or so. He's got this frosted white bleached hair because that's what the cool kids do down there. And so I could tell by looking at him that he was, he was having fun as the world would put it, he was having fun in life. So, um, but he was really listening to what I had to say, and I, I spoke about everything. And, and actually, Flavio was not from this community. He was from, like, maybe a 1,000 miles, like on the other side of Brazil, and he had come to visit family. And, of course, I'm from thousands of miles the other direction. And I said, you know, I could tell he was listening, and the, the bar owner was, like, talking to a brick wall. So... So I kind of focused on Flavio and, and both of them. But um, so I kind of, after we were done, I kind of circled back and I said, you know, Flavio, I said, this is not an accident. This is not just by chance that you have come a thousand miles here and I've come multiple thousand miles and that we meet at this exact moment. You could have stayed in the house and not even come back here, but you're here and I'm here. And it's because you needed to hear the message that I just said. I said, Flavio, I want to tell you one thing, because he's a youngster, and youngsters think that they've got forever to live. And I, and I just said, nobody is guaranteed tomorrow. You are not guaranteed, you know, your next breath. And, you know, Satan can say, hey, just, you know, you understand it, but do it after you're done having fun. Do it after, you know, do it later. Take care of it. So, um, so he's like, yeah, I, I understand, and and. I mean, I could tell that God was really working in his heart. So this is absolutely a true story. He was shot two days later. And he's still alive. He's in the hospital. I think he's going to be fine. He was in ICU for about um, about two weeks. So that's pretty serious. Um, I was trying, whenever I was still down there, I was trying to get to where I could go see him then. But they were not allowing visitors and and, but I just got word a few days ago, he got out of ICU and I've got the four interpreters that was mentioned earlier up there. They live in Mossro, which is an hour away. That's where the big hospital is that he was transported to. So I contacted them. I said, hey, you got to go see Flavio. God was working and I don't have any idea what's going to happen, but you just got to go see him because I can't obviously. So, so that was, that was amazing. And then Pastor Zeh, was the, was the pastor in that community that we were working with. And he said, Matthew, I remember specifically when you were at the tail end, you said, Flavio, you are not guaranteed tomorrow. And look what happened. I mean, it was, it was quite a shocker. So we can be praying for Flavio that he, that he will allow God to work in his heart, that he'll see that God gave him a second chance. We can pray for countless. I mean, we don't even have to name all these stories, all these people that have been impacted we need to pray for Fernando, uh, Pastor Fernando and Pastor Zeh, that they will continue to do the hard work that God has given them. Um, and there's I could I could just talk forever on story after story 
Um, so, okay, so another story. We were sharing with, um, in that same community, we, were, we had an appointment. Of course, uh, Will and I didn't know who we were going to go see, but had an appointment. And this, we ended up sharing with this gal and another, there's three ladies there. And the, the two of them were really receptive. And, and it ends up that the first one did receive Christ. The second one, I think, did. I don't know for sure. But the first one said, you know what? You guys coming here is proof to me that God exists, that God cares about me because I just prayed to him two days ago, God, if you want me back in the church, she had been to church before, been involved in church. If you want me back in church, then you need to talk to me. You need to show me. You need to do whatever. So she wasn't, nobody had set up anything in particular other than this, I think her, her nephew uh, was, was running around with this and said, I want you to, you to go talk to my aunt. Is that right? Nephew and aunt would be the right verbiage. So um, so we went to talk to his aunt, not knowing anything. So, so God is working it out. God is going in front of us doing these things, and we are hugely used down there. Um, so she, she accepts Christ, and, she, and then she tells us that story that, you know, I just was talking to God, and I said I needed this, and God provided. So I, I could tell you tons of stories. I mean, I could seriously, I could talk for hours on what's going on down in Brazil uh, if you guys, anybody feels called or wants to go, I'm sure we'll be putting teams together again to go back to different communities in this area, doing exactly the same thing. And God will use that time and he'll bless you for it. Well, praise God. Isn't it great when we have an appointment and other people have an appointment with God? That's what we saw in several cases if you look at this young man here on your left with his thumbs up, I talked with that boy, the Lord quickened me to go speak to him because he was living with his grandma. His grandma was concerned because he was not, he was leaving of an evening, being gone all night long, and then she didn't know what he was doing and coming back and sleeping all day. So I took an interpreter and we sat down and visited with him. I said, I said, what's your goal? He said, I don't have any goal. I said, are you in drugs? He said, no, I'm not in drugs now. I used to be when I was 10 years old. And then the floodgate opened and he began to talk. I didn't say another word. And he told me all of the trauma that he had been through. It boiled down to the fact he felt worthless. He had no vow, self-value. When he was 10 years old, his family said, decided, how are we going to get rid of him? He, his mother had been a prostitute. He had no idea how many siblings that he had. And uh, I mean, you, the hurt just flowed out of him. I began to cry. I couldn't handle that. But as he, he talked, I suppose, for 45 minutes through her to me, telling all of the things that he tried to commit suicide five or six times. He tried to going out in front of a car and something would grab him back like this and he couldn't, he couldn't get it, couldn't make the jump. And I thought, boy, I have a heart for this kid. And I said, I told him finally when he, he just about ran out of anything to, to, his, to show his heart was breaking, had been broken. I said to him, look, a gentleman, you cannot do a thing about your past. 
Can't do anything about that. It is what it is. But you can sure do something about from now on because now is the day, next day of your life. And you have to become, you have to believe that God loves you, and he does. You've got to believe I love you because you're a a good-looking young man, 17 years old. But I said, you're going to have to get lined up with, with Jesus Christ, and he's the one that can help you be a leader. I said, I see great potential in you. And so the good thing was that, that he made that decision and is working in that decision and is now had received Jesus uh, at the church while we were there. And so, yeah, there, he's got a life to live. That, that was not anything I did. That was God's appointment for him. And I happened to be the one that was fortunate enough to experience that. Let's look at the next slide quickly. Uh, the other way, you got to go uphill instead of downhill. <laughs> oh, you're going the wrong direction. Anyway, I, 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 have a, I had a, a picture or two up there. You got it now? Okay. You, okay. He, he's the one at the bottom with the, with the tan pants. He got to go to a, a short-term mission type thing at the local church in a Sioux, a four-day uh, intense time of discovering who you are in Christ and, and the ministry that they had there. One more. Next one up. Up. I want okay, the next thing. I had three appointments that I was part of while I was there. I had a chance to go on a house visit, not in the the village we were working, but one further up the way. And we we got into a house, and and the woman that was there was a Christian. She had six or seven boys, had families. They were not Christians, and she had a a father-in-law who was next door, next in a room next to what we were talking to her who was was bedridden I guess you just about have to say because he he couldn't get up his legs wouldn't work his back was in was in bad shape and uh, and he was uh, constant pain and so I we walked back there then and and I said, okay. I said, you're not doing so well, are you? No. And I said, I have a question for you. What's your spiritual life, spiritual life like? And he said, not good. God had an appointment for him. At that very moment. And I said, well, I tell you what, we can take care. We can help you take care of that. And so the interpreter I had was extremely good. She was probably the best interpreter I've had all the time. I've been on trips like this. And she said, uh, I explained that what Jesus had done for him and that he could take care of that, of that spiritual need that he had. And uh, she said to me, can I tell him something in very simple terms? And I said, go for it. And I noticed I was standing up beside him. He was kind of trying to sit up a little bit. And I noticed that his eyes were watering. And I thought, I wonder why his eyes are watering so bad. And when she got through, she said, did you see the change in his facial expression when I explained to him about Jesus? And he said, yes, I want Jesus. 
And I guess he was, he was weeping so much by the appointment that God had for him at that moment that a 95-year-old man accepted Jesus. That's not, that goes against the grain of what we're taught about you get so old, you just, you, your mind is made up. So I had a picture of him, and, and I'm not showing it. That was the second appointment. Yeah, there you go. And that's the only one. One more. One more after that one. Show the next one. So there he is. He's, he's, I said to him, okay, now, you know what? You've accepted Jesus just now. You have something very valuable that can happen to you. You can be healed because that's what Jesus came for. He not only healed your spirit man inside of you by accepting him into your life, you have the power to receive healing because it says in the word that there are three parts of us. And I went through that explanation. Then I prayed for him. Put my, I sat down beside him and put my hand on top of him and I was prayed. I said, Lord, send the, the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of God, from the top of his head down through his body and begin a healing process in him. And I, and I stopped praying and she was praying that over him. And all of a sudden, I looked down there, this guy's starting to go, putting his arm around behind his back. He couldn't have done that for nothing to start with. And then he began to wiggle like this a little bit. And I thought, praise God, hallelujah, this guy's getting his healing. Of course, we left the next day, came home, back to Missouri. But then I had a report that two or three days later, he was able to get up and sit in a chair. He was able to get up out of the chair and then I thought, my goodness, this is like the situation when, when, the, this, when some guys brought their friend, or friend who was bedridden, opened up the top of the house and, and put him down. I said, I, I bet you that's exactly what was going to happen to that guy. So who knows? I was fortunate. It wasn't anything I did. I just happened to be there at the right time. He had an appointment with the Lord. And uh, Austin talked about the guy who was the caretaker at the school. I uh, talked to him. He said, yeah, I used to go to church. But I don't anymore because there's hypocrisy in the church I was going to. And I thought, well, I'm not going to go to that place. Well, and just sitting there and talking to people, he's back in the church that, that uh, Fernando takes care of. So there's, there's all sorts of appointments that are out there for us. You probably have an appointment some, with some of your friends or somebody in your in your." Uh, in your acquaintance, all I tell you is, let's get with it. Uh, Jeremy Moni talked last Sunday about multiplication. We're seeing multiplications in ways that, are, that only God can provide. So I say to you, are you willing to step out? Are you willing not to go necessarily on a trip, but do what God called you to? The intrinsic value of going on a mission trip is that you, you go away, you don't have any distractions. All you've got to do is do what God calls you to. Come back home and then we fall back into the same old trap we've been in before. We get all, all spun out about what we have to do and not what God wants us to. So anyway, thank you so much for, for praying for us, for being behind us as a church, for being willing to uh, believe in us enough to send us out. And uh, I'll ask the praise team to come up and close us out on a song, if they would, please.